My name is Linda Rogers, and this is Investing Forward. Thank you so much for joining me today. As I have mentioned before, I'm a military spouse, and we recently completed a move from Japan to the D.C. area. If you've ever moved, you know how disruptive that is, especially with four kids, but I'm thrilled to be back with another episode. My guest this episode is Josh Heil. He's the founder of Citizen Mint, a platform built to connect investors with private market opportunities. They have a team that researches each investment on the site for both positive impact and financial return. We have talked about private investments before on the show. These are investments that are not traded on a public exchange, so they are less liquid and they typically are subject to higher minimums. But for impact investors, private investments can be especially appealing as part of an overall strategy. They allow you to be more hyper-focused on specific problems and solutions. Josh has experience sourcing private investments, connecting investors with those investments, and monitoring financial and impact data. He will walk through the solution he has built and the gap he is filling in the marketplace with Citizen Mint. So thank you so much for joining me today. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. First of all, thank you for having me. My name is Josh Heil, and I'm a co-founder and CEO of Citizen Mint. I've been in the investment field for almost 15 years and have worked at large institutional asset managers as well as large wealth managers. I was most recently the director of investment strategy and research for a $16 billion wealth manager in the Seattle area. Great. So go ahead and tell us more about Citizen Mint. Yeah. So Citizen is a web-based platform designed to help wealth managers and investors easily access private investment opportunities that generate both financial returns and positive social and environmental impacts. You can think of this as like affordable and attainable housing, solar wind development, top-tier impact private equity, venture capital, private debt funds. So what pushed you to leave your previous role and want to start Citizen Mint? Yeah, we believe there are two major inflection points where investors are actively seeking two items. One, better access to alternative investments. And then two is investments that really align with their values or issue areas. And on that second point, what I I think I learned at my prior role investing hundreds of millions of dollars in the space is that you can get benchmark-like returns while doing good, um, which uh, was just something I hadn't really seen before. Um, But when we like, there's a lot of new investment opportunities out there um, where people are getting very strong returns while uh, doing good for either social or environmental issues. That's awesome. Okay. So what are the main impact areas you're focusing on with Citizen Mint? Yeah, we have three main broad areas we focus on. So one is environmental, two is community health and wellness, and then three is empowerment. So under each one of these broad areas, there are more specific possible investment opportunities. Say for environmental, we could provide investments in solar or wind development. Uh, For community health and wellness, this could be opportunities in affordable and workforce housing. Yeah. And I have to imagine that people interested in these investments want to see some sort of impact metrics, right? So how do you measure the impact on the investments listed? 
Yeah, it can really depend on the specific opportunity for, say, solar wind development. We usually take total power output and carbon reduction and put it into metrics investors can actually understand. So examples of this could be total homes powered in one year or carbon reduction is equal to so many passenger vehicles uh, driven for one year or so many gallons of water were saved compared to like a coal plant. Uh, for affordable housing, we may be measuring number of housing units built or financed, number of people housed, at what percentage of area median income are they housed, number of individuals employed in construction. So there's just a lot of different metrics we can measure, and it really just depends on the opportunity uh, that we have on the site. Yep, that makes sense. How do you source your offerings? So a lot of the early sourcing is really based on my extensive network within the space. So this is both opportunities for direct investments with affordable housing developers, as well as fund investments with, say, large institutional managers in the renewable energy space, private equity space, or venture capital space. Um, the, the early opportunities on the site uh, will focus more on affordable and workforce housing, private debt, and renewable energy. Uh, we believe starting early with, say, real estate will provide investors with a great opportunity to invest in shorter-term projects, say, three years that are easy for investors to un ultimately understand. Yeah, good. Okay, and what do you feel are the advantages of private investments? Yeah, I, th I think there's really four main advantages that we see. So one is diversification. You know, private markets offer this wide variety of investment opportunities that have very different characteristics than traditional stocks and bonds. Especially in a year like this year, you kind of see these correlations of stocks and bonds coming down together, and that's not a great place to be. So many times these investments can behave very differently than those public markets and create better diversification for investors' portfolios. Uh, number two is really the long-term focus. So many times these investments are concentrated in a specific area with a long-term focus. This allows you know, the ultimate manager to be opportunistic and take advantage of these market drops. Say right now, we want to see uh, in like private market managers taking advantage of the differentiation and valuation where it, it's dropped a lot so they can put money to work at a way better valuation than it was at the end of 2021. And then on the other side of that, we want to see them being a buyer during market euphoria. Um, number three is really the due diligence payoff. So there's an average of a 10% difference between the best and the worst managers in most of these asset classes. So this really creates an advantage for investors who have rigorous due diligence capabilities. And then four is that targeted impact. So you can really select opportunities that align with your values or interest. And this could be investing in affordable uh, affordability through like, say, a real estate investment. Yeah, good. Okay, well, that was the advantages. So what are some disadvantages? Yeah, the, I think the number one thing that really comes to mind is liquidity. So the average term of a private market is between three to 10 years. Some can be as long as 15 years. This allows the investment manager to really make long-term decisions about how they invest the capital. But the illiquidity premium is essentially um, the extra return investors are going to receive because they are required to lock up their money for so long. That said, in most cases, investors overestimate the liquidity that they might actually need in the near future. Um, so, But it is one of the major disadvantages. You just can't sell things that easily. And then taxes could be number two. Tax reporting can be more complicated. 
uh, because you're going to have an inclusion of a K-1 uh, that you receive as part of being usually part of a partnership. Um, that said, many online tax preparers, in, including TurboTax, now have the ability to process K-1. So it's making this process a lot easier for individual investors. And then uh, number three is really that manager selection. Um, if you don't have the due diligence capabilities to do that, uh, then, as I said, you can uh, get in managers that have um, poor performance over time. And there's a lot of bad managers, unfortunately, within the private market space. So you really need that due diligence. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the tax piece. I prepared taxes <laughs> in California for a few years, many years, six years. Um, and the K-1s, it's just about setting expectations. Um, like you said, exactly. many people are getting them. Um, you may need to extend, but just yes. knowing that ahead of time, being okay with that, it's not a huge deal. Um, yes. But just knowing that going into it. Great. Yeah, exactly. So how do you think Citizen Mint compares to other competitors in your space? Yeah, I we don't have like a perfect direct comparable for what we're doing related to the impact side of things, but there really are a lot of other democratized platforms such as CrowdStreet, Cadre, YieldStreet that focus on providing either real estate or yield products to a broader group of individuals. Um, so we think that, you know, our differentiation really is is in like providing very well due diligence opportunities um, that provide both that good, solid benchmark-like returns for that asset class, as well as uh, strong impact, um, whether on the social or environmental side. I saw that you're working on adding investments for not accredited investors. Is that like a crowdfunding type thing or what is that? Yeah, no, definitely. So um, we definitely want to add non-accredited investors uh, opportunities. Um, this isn't actually going to be crowdfunding. So you have to set up this 1940 Act structure. Um, that's an SEC structure. And you have to get the SEC sign off on that. Um, this will. There's also a couple additional questions that an, an individual investor will have to answer, such as this is not more than 10% of your net worth. This is not more than 10% of my net income per year. So there is some restrictions around it, but it, it does allow um, for both 1099 reporting, which is great for the ultimate investor, as well as um, being able to get in these opportunities that are very uh, hard to get into on their own. Got it. Great. Okay. And how do you and your team get paid? Yeah, we have we take an assets under management fee on investments um, we have on the platform. This usually ranges between one to two percent based on the complexity of the investment. I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to do um, is really reduce uh, the overall fees that we pay. So we try to negotiate with the ultimate sponsor or manager um, to make sure that their fees um, are lower. And so, like, uh, say for like the real estate investments, we'll try and increase. Uh, or decrease the fees that we're ultimately paying to, to them. They could have a development fee underlying and say, instead of paying 4% development fee, we're going to pay a 2% development fee. So we really want to gain scale and be able to decrease those ultimate fees to the ultimate investors. Yep. Good. Is there anything else that you want to discuss? Yeah, no, I would just encourage investors to review the site and um, current open opportunities. Um, we're really excited about... Uh, being able to provide this to a broader group of individuals. Yeah. What's the best way for people to stay in touch with you? Yeah, we're very active on multiple social media platforms, but they can also contact me directly by sending an email to contact at citizenmint.com. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If this episode was of interest to you, check out citizenmint.com. The FAQ has the answers to a lot of questions and topics discussed today. Also, if you go to resources on their website, there's a private markets investment guide that goes into more detail on the pros and cons of private market investing, as well as the definitions of major types of private investments. Thank you so much for joining me and happy holidays. My name is Linda Rogers, and this is Investing Forward. If you liked what you heard, leave us a rating, subscribe, and stay tuned for next time. Linda Rogers is the owner of Planning Within Reach, a registered investment advisor. Planning Within Reach produces the podcast and makes it available on its website and through other distribution channels. Linda Rogers and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinions and are not necessarily the views and opinions of Planning Within Reach. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become Planning Within Reach clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of Planning Within Reach may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. The Investing Forward podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Consult with a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, or conduct your own due diligence.